full Nigerian. Have you ever heard any like ethnic stories, like Nigerian stories, about people getting robbed by white people? Like, 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 I mean, <laughs> stolen and brought across to another land. Like, like, do you have you ever heard an oral tradition like don't go out into the fucking by the river at night because you can get jumped by the white man and he'll bring you on a boat across the water. I never heard any of that. All I heard, like my father would tell me stories, just Nigerian proverbs and stuff that it relate to just Africa. Welcome to Real Black Continent's Foreign Podcast. This is Big BJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're just going to have, um, we're going to have some real talk, right? And um, we're going to talk about history, right? We're just going to talk about some history. But we're going to like shoot the bobo a little bit because we just, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to really, really, really have some straight talk, right? Because, you know, in order to have a good conversation, it's important that you have also a good foundation, right? So we're going to have some straight talk. In today's conversation, though, we're going to point out that, um, if you hear a black American or a black United States American or an American Negro, right? If you hear them saying that they are African, or if you hear our people saying they are African descent, or if you hear our people talk about the African slave trade and they talk about it like in detail, what you are witnessing, right, is somebody that's telling you information that a devil told them. That is a hundred percent facts. I'm, I'm going to repeat, all right? If you're having a conversation about history, and then you start talking about ethnicity, and then you start talking about genealogy, and you just you just having a conversation. If an American Negro is identifying to you that he or she is African descent and they cannot name you one person in their family line, their whole history that came from the continent of Africa, they believe that they are African descent only because they've seen it on TV or they seen it in the book, right? So that's going to be like the foundation of today's conversation. Um, if you can look up and see what I got on the header right now, it's um, it's the word African, and it is the etymology definition for the word African, right? And it says, "Old English Africanus, quote unquote, native or inhabitant of Africa." From Latin, Africanus, of Africa, African, right? Then it goes to say in the second sentence, use of white residents of Africa from 1815. Let's stop. How many of you guys ever known that? How many of you guys ever read that? Used of white residents of Africa, the continent, because it's not a it's not a country. We are familiar with that, right? And it didn't say South Africa, right? Use of white residents of Africa from 1815. Use of black residents of the U.S. from the 18th century, when it especially meant quote unquote one brought from Africa, and sometimes was contrast to native born Negro. As an, as an adjective by the 1560s, quote unquote, pertaining to Africa or Africans from 1722 as quote unquote of or pertaining to black Americans. You know, one thing for sure and two things for certain, you know, when it comes to information, you know, the messenger equipped a lot of black Americans with the knowledge itself, right? And then there's a couple of things that the messenger says. He says that. You know, you love the devil because he gives you nothing, right? 
And then he says, well, why does the devil call you African? And then the messenger says, well, he called you African to make you think that you're different from everybody else in the Asiatic world. See, you think you're different. You think it's, it's a separation. It's a split, right? But, you know, also the messenger told us that among us in society, there's, there's a certain segment called the 85%. And the 85% is the deaf, dumb, and blind. They are easily to be led in the wrong direction. But it's going to be hard to lead them in the right direction, right? And last but not least, a quote from the message is, Our people is a people of sport and play, right? So... Our open enemy, right? He has figured out that you, you know, when you look at us, and I don't want to be derogatory, even though we are the original man and the original woman, oftentimes when it comes to the American Negro, the American Negro is more like a, uh, a monkey see, monkey do kind of people. We're not really originators. We kind of put that front on like, oh, you know, we the first to do this and we the first to do that. But if you kind of watch us as a people, I'm just going to be real. This is we're going to have to have a brutally honest conversation. The American Negro is kind of like he's monkey see, monkey do. And when he's kind of saying he's the first at something, he he had tweaked it. Right. But it was already there. I can remember there was a time, right, because I'm a man of a certain age. I can remember when if you was an American Negro and you was in a gang affiliation, a street gang. Right. You was either from Los Angeles or you was from Chicago. If you was in a, a street gang, right? And in, in one of the most like tribal-like senses, you was in a street gang from Chicago or LA. And then the devil, right? Knowing that we are a monkey see, monkey do people. He put out a movie called Colors, right? It was a movie called Colors. And once that film hit, you start to see gang activity everywhere. Then you got, you know, banging in Little Rock, Arkansas. Then you got gangs in Texas. Then you got gangs in Tennessee. Then you got gangs in the Carolinas. And you got, you know, they tried that shit in Detroit, but it really didn't work. But you start seeing the gang activity and the knowledge of gang awareness spread everywhere. Just from television. And then you start to see other gang information after they hit the television. You start seeing it in the book. See, that's how you kind of can hook the American Negro, right? You can get our people with the television first. Show them the video. Show them, let them see the imagery. And then you double down on that with a few books, right? That's, that's kind of like all you got to do with our people. The reason why the devil was so successful at putting out gang movies and our people mimicking them because he... He kind of already seen us do that in the 60s, right? He put out a couple pimp movies. You know, everybody you see, you know, Willie Dynamite, and then you got the Goldie movie, and, you know, everybody watched the Mac, and then you seen Superfly, and then everybody wanted to do cocaine and be a pimp. Not because it was in their bloodline. Not because it was in their family history. They seen it on television. And then the devil, in his true form, after he show you, the video format, he come back and he give you the audio. So now you got pimps talking, they got the game, you know, then you see it in a written form, it's in books and this and Iceberg Slim. So it can make it into the penitentiaries and everybody got this pimp mentality, right? Well, there's nothing new under the sun and the devil don't have any new tricks. If you have an American Negro Telling you that he is from Africa and his people descend from Africa. He is only telling you that because he's seen it in a television show or he read it in the book. He is not giving you his family line. He is no different than the guy that say he's a crip or a blood from Oregon or Texas because they seen it. From a colors movie years ago and they just he's monkey seeing he's monkey doing right you know uh, 
one of those Jews signed a group called NWA. And then everybody became a gangster. And then there's another Jew in the East Coast. Uh, I'm talking about Cohen. He signs Public Enemy. And now everybody got the medallions on. And they're wearing clocks around their neck. And they got the big rope gold chains. And because they can control our people. Because the messenger said our people are a people of sport and play. We are unfortunately a monkey see, monkey do people. That's our people. Yo, here on Real Black Contest Forum Podcast, we allow the audience to dictate the conversations. So we talk a lot about history, right? We're going to talk about some history today. But we kind of like shooting the bubble, right? So when we talk about history, you know, some things, it kind of rub our people the wrong way. Now, we talk about a lot of topics here. We talk about relationships. We talk about politics. But something about that history... Our people are a little bit more engaged, right? I think I said this before, but I could put out a relationship video. We have a conversation and that video would get more views, but the comments just ain't, they're not there, right? And then I kind of think to myself, I'm like, okay, when I really talk about relationship, you know, I come from a position where more often than not, I'm talking about infidelity, right? So the women can be engaged, but the men is not going to be engaged because it's kind of like set up in America that women have the freedom to talk about how men, you know, how they had to battle infidelity through men, their partners. And it's kind of like there's a support system for them. Right. And they, they get a chance to vent and talk, you know, say their peace because it's just an act of betrayal and unfaithfulness. So it's they don't put that on them. But the American Negro, the man, now he he takes that a little different. Right. When it comes to infidelity, he don't talk about infidelity much because. The way that the village is set up is that it attacks his manhood for him to know that his woman is doing something out of his sight. So he doesn't. So when we make relationship videos, they're listening. The viewership is way up. Right. But nobody is commenting. They're just listening, you know, because he you don't they're not going to be engaged. Most men, I notice they're not going to be engaged because, like I said, like most of our topics is about infidelity. Right. And then our men are really not taught how to handle that. We don't, we don't know. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. When we talk about history, we get more of, um, we get more feedback, right? We get more um, scholarly information back because the real magic, quote unquote, it goes down in the comments, right? Where you can really learn and things of this nature. When I talk about the American Negro, right? And I go back in history and I show that there were Negroes that was indigenous to the West. The comments, they take a little turn. They're not very scholarly anymore, right? And if they're scholarly, let me take that back. I don't want to say that. Let me say it this way. They're not family-based. Let me say it that way. They're book-based. So when I talk about one book and we're just having a conversation, only rightfully so, that that information is combated with another book, right? But it's not combated with another book. You know, uh, if I bring a source of information that says that Negro Indians or American Negroes or black Americans was in America prior to the slave trade, prior to Columbus, if I bring a source book, they're not coming with another book to say that that's inaccurate. There was no black folks here. They just come in with a book from from white daddy, from the devil, that's telling them, hey, um, all Negroes come from Africa. And they're more willing to believe that than anything else, right? Which I think is very interesting. I think that's very interesting. It's okay for us to go over his story because we do that. We go over his story, but we also have to give our story. That's the power of the internet. We can give his story and then we can give our story. And what I kind of do here is I show the change in the writing style. I say, okay, in the 16th century, 17th and 18th century, you kind of notice, you know, when they start talking about history, they, they, they okay with saying that they ran into Negroes in the Americas, Southern California. Um, they ran into Negroes in, in Florida, in the Carolinas, uh, what we call today uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island area. And then in Canada, 
going all the way back down to Panama, to Brazil, to the islands. We talk about all this. We talk about the Garifuni people. We talk about the Yamasi tribe. We talk about it all, right? Even though we can have those conversations, it's still not registering to the American Negro that some of our people was already here. And then it was like a mix. But he can't conceive it because he's stuck on television and literature that he read that's telling him that he is from Africa. The cold thing about that is that is not his family's line. He's not giving you his family line. She is not giving you her family line. They're giving you television and books. And they almost feel offended when you say, no, nah, man, we was already here. And it's, oh, man, you know, you are, um, you know, that's a, uh, what's the word I can use? It's kind of like, you know, you offending your African ancestor who came over here on a slave ship. Yo, when I hear our people say that, more often than not, that is a comment that is made by somebody who can't even prove that he had an ancestor from Africa that came on the ship. So what's scary is the American Negro who thinks he's African-American, he doesn't really know, and this is what's really scary, he doesn't really, really know if he's a descendant of that Negro Indian or he's a descendant of that African. He don't know. He only choose the side of the African because the devil told him to. It's just that simple. It's not really that hard, right? Yo, I'm going to give you an example, right? I'm going to give you a personal example. When I go back in my genealogy, right, I can go back to my six-time dad, right, my six-time father, right? And when I go back to my six-time father, he's like right around like 1780, right? And then you see like right around like 18... I want to say 1850 to 1820, you see him move from uh, North Carolina to Alabama, right? And then you see there's a connection. He's on uh, the Kirksey, Kirkland plantation, right? This is a plantation in Greene County, Alabama. It's in a city. I think the city is like Utah, right? They spell it U. No, no, pardon me. They spell it E-U-T-A-W. It's something very weird. It's not like Utah in the West. They spell it a little different, right? Again, it's the Kirkland Plantation, though. It's where my family is from, right? Green County, Alabama, right? Now, how my family genealogy go? it goes like this. It's like, you, you see my six-time father, he's there. And then he has a son. And then now you see them off the plantation. But they still got the plantation name. You see them off the plantation, right? Well, my six-time granddaddy was there. Um, the guy that was, I believe, was uh, at the time running it. Well, well, let me say it this way. The last owner of that property, his name was um, his name was Foster Kirksey. Right. That was the last devil that was like the plantation owner that we could see in our history line. Right. That I could see. But I can also see that when my six time father was dead, the son was kind of like off the plantation, but he still had the family name. That son had another son, and that son had 14 children, right? Out of those 14 children is where you get my great-grandfather. That's where you get him. And then you get my granddad, and then you get my dad, and then you get me, right? So growing up, I knew this history, right? But it kind of bothered me because... See, the stories I used to hear that my big mama, who was acquainted with my grandfather's plantation, everybody where they was from, she almost painted the picture of like, um, like it was almost like the happy slave kind of like family. Like it, it, she talked about, she gave different stories, but it never was like the stories that I seen on TV. Right. I'm looking for the, the foot got cut off and, uh, you know, this guy got lynched and they whooped this person. And that story was not in my family line. So, but that's the story I seen on television. That's the story I read in the book. That's the story I'm looking for, right? And for some strange reason, that's the story I wanted to identify with. But that wasn't in my family line, right? So my great-grandfather used to always talk about the devil. He would talk about how dirty they is in business. They're funny with money. They lie about this. They lie about that. You know, um, they use, you know, what we would call today, like technology for a game. You can't trust them, you know. That was the kind of 
verbiage he would use, but he wasn't like it wasn't on a sense of that he kind of like feared these folks. Like they had like they was in total control of his life. But I kind of written that off to him, like, well, my granddad, you know, his name was Bubba. We used to call him that's his nickname was Big Bubba. I'm like, well, you know, my granddad, my great grandfather, you know, he's like six three, he's two hundred and thirty pounds. Solid, you know, solid man, original man from Alabama. I'm like, he's not really gonna get a whole lot of problems from the devil. So maybe his walk of life was easy because he just was a big guy. So I just blew that off too. I was embarrassed though, because here I am from Detroit and I'm hanging around the food of Islam. You know, I'm I'm from home with Temple Number One. You know, you know, we got a heavy nation of Islam presence. I got the knowledge of self at a very young age. So I knew I had a slave name. So when I was in high school. I will put an X on my name. I didn't want to put the plantation name down. I put an X there, right? Okay, so dig this. I got another cousin, and we visit the South all the time. This is what you do when you're from up north. For the you know summertime rolls around, you go down south. You went, you hang out with Big Mama. I got a cousin. He fresh out of New York, and you know I would get down south, and my Big Mama used to always push us to, hey, y'all need to go to the plantation and look at this and look at that because. See, when my fifth time granddad had my great grandfather, right? Um, had the son that had my great grandfather with the 14 kids, they had their own quote unquote farm, right? I want to come back to that word farm later, but they had their own farm, right? But the devil that owned them had a plantation. So I'm going to come back to the word plantation and I'm going to come back to the word farm. Because, see, when I don't have to come back to it. Let me just say it like it is right now. What I began to notice is that I, my mind would be around 1861 to 1866 because this is when the Civil War is going on between these dates. And then you got the Confiscation Act and then you got the Proclamation, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. So this is when technically all the slaves is free, quote unquote, right? This is when all that was going on between 1860 to 66. But when I look at my family genealogy, I see a small stint on this Kirksey Kirkland plantation. Then they move off, they get their own farm, and then on this farm is employees. So now I'm a little twisted because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I've noticed a shift in something. There's a pivot, I noticed. See, when the devil owns something, they say it's a plantation. It's just a farm. It's no different than what our people own. But that word plantation is connected to strength. So that's the word plantation. When our family got it and we had our own thing and we, we still kept the devil's name, but we got our own thing. It was called a farm, but it functioned the same. But there's no strength in the word farm. So when a lot of us go back in our genealogies and we start saying, damn, Great granddaddy owned this farm, 13, 14 acres, and then this person owned 20 acres, and then this person owned 25 acres. We try to make it make sense. They just own all this farmland. How did they get all this farmland? We trying to make it make sense. But it wasn't a farm. That was another plantation. But if you start telling Negroes all over the place that your great great father had a plantation in his great, once you start doing that, that's going to open up a different can of worms. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. Right. But in the community section, you can see I put original men and women from Louisiana that own plantations. And then more often than not, your family owned a plantation. But that's a play on words. Because when you're dealing with the devil, they do that. Right? Yo, look, I'm, I'm going to give you another example. Check this out. When you start going back in history, you got to understand that colonial British America and um, like American English today is not the same that term master in British colonial America it meant two things the term master right master meant the most skilled person on the plantation the owner he is the most skilled person on the plantation right that's number one but there's a second definition of master too which means that you was just a person of European descent that was under 18 Right. That's all that meant. That comes out of limey land. That's a British thing. That's not an American thing. That's a British thing. But I'm going to show you how they do a play on words. Right. When it comes to our people, 
and then they show you your position in doing business with the devil and they're showing you your position doing business with the devil in the 1800s and all of this and all of that. And we know about the black codes and the slave codes. When you're doing business, though, you start to notice that our people is always saying master this and master that. And, master, and they show you that as if it's a position of strength. They're not, they, they put it in a different context, right? So you see the term master used for one younger person and then another person. But when we see it on American television, it's always a position of strength. We don't see that as being English or British culture at that point. Because that's, that's how they do a play on words with us, right? Um, let me explain it a different way, right? Let me explain it a different way because sometimes you got to talk to our people where they at. Right? I'm explaining it a different way. There was a, uh, or there is, I should say, a Hall of Fame executive producer of music. His name is Quincy Jones, right? He's like a mastermind. If you know the artist of Peace Be Upon Him, Michael Jackson, you probably know MJ because of the work that Quincy Jones did with him, right? He took MJ to that next level, the producer, Quincy Jones. He had a show, though, right? Um, Many moons ago, you can probably still see the, uh, the reruns. It was called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And in there, he had a character called Carlton. Then he had Will Smith. You know, uh, Will Smith used to be a rapper from Philadelphia who became an actor. Now you see that Will Smith is like he's like the main character of the show. Right. There's also another character. It's a brother named Jeffrey. He's from Limey Land. Right. He's from Limey Land. He's from England. When you see him, Jeffrey now, when he referred to uh, Carlton or Will, he would say Master Carlton. And then he would say uh, Master Will. Right. Now, if you're from America, you don't really know no better because that's not American culture. Because Jeffrey is like a butler. Right. He's provided a service. You think he's saying the term master because. That's like a position of strength that he's given to his employers. But that's not what he's doing. He's 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 a British guy. He's from Limey Land. In their culture, if you are under 18, they refer to you as master because you're too young to be a mister. So you just say master. But if you don't know that. The devil will play on you and he'll show you imagery of your people running around saying, oh, yo, master this and master this. And then they plan it like, hey, look, you know, he's <laughs> now you don't know no better. You're making a fool out of yourself. When you try to tell somebody some history, you're making a fool out of yourself. You know, it's just it's a play on words. So let me go back to the original story, right, about my family's plantation. I just want to give an example about how there's a play on words. OK, so dig. My family. Again, me coming from Detroit with the knowledge itself, we was always encouraged to go to the family's plantation, right? Both of them, because you got the one that was owned by the devil. And then I, I talked about earlier how uh, one of my great, great, great grandfather, I, I get mixed up with the numbers, right? But you, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Him, he, they moved just a little south of uh, Utah, Alabama to a small city called Thompson. Thompson. Uh, Alabama, right? I've been there. It's nothing nasty. A little uh, in bubblegum Alabama, some goddamn where in the middle of nowhere. But that's where my family's from, and that's where they got their farm, their AKA plantation, right? My family line. But again, I'm going back to the story of slavery, servitude, XYZ. I didn't find the story that I was looking for. I didn't find that malicious story about how devils were that I was looking for. So, I was moving and traveling. I'm getting books and I'm reading. I got, I know I picked up the Frederick Douglass book and he's talking about slavery and this and that. And then Frederick Douglass, he, he talks about a situation where he had an issue with one of the, um, uh, one of the, the, the devils on the plantation. I don't know if this is the owner or this is just a master. I don't know which master it is. It could be the one under 18, the adolescence of somebody older that was the most skilled person, the owner of the plantation. So he had a he had a run in with him. And, you know, Freddie Douglas talk about how he slapped him around. He put him in the yoke. I'm talking about he put the devil in the yoke. Now, when they found out he did these things, they just sold him to another plantation. Now, that kind of disturbed me a little bit because I'm looking for the you got your foot cut off. You got 35 lashes. You got, you know, because I can read the slave codes and I can see everything. But I'm trying to make it make sense because Freddie Douglas, he didn't 
that 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 wasn't his reality. So I can't use his slave story neither. I'm talking to a sister, right? Fast forward many moons later. I'm talking to a sister and she's talking about slavery. And she's talking about how this was going on and that was going on. And, you know, uh, they had uh, sex farms and, you know, sex slave farms and all this. They would breed the, the mom with the son and the son with the auntie and the auntie with the nephew. They was they, had, they was breeding our people, right? And she would talk about how they would cut this leg off and they would cut this arm off and you got hung for this and you got hung for that. So I'm like, damn, this is a cold story, right? This is a cold story. So I asked her, I said, yo, I say, um, man, you talking, you know, in depth, she's really speaking in depth about slavery. I'm like, well, what plantation did your family come from? Because she's just, she's giving, she's giving real game. She said, well, I don't know what family, you know, what plantation my family came from. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, baby girl, you just gave me this whole spiel about slavery and this. And I'm like, well, where did you get the information that you were saying? She said, oh, I got it in the book. And that was like an explosion in my consciousness at that point. This is where my consciousness took a shift. So now I began, you know, I'm in Detroit. This is the blackest city in America. They tell you Atlanta, but it's not. It's Detroit. And, um. But let me give Atlanta its credit because Atlanta has been a popping black city since 1909. They try to make you think that Atlanta just started winning today, but that's not. They tell you about Tulsa and everything else. But they try to make you feel like Atlanta just started winning today. No, Atlanta been popping since 1909, but maybe that's a different story for a different day. So I'm going around to my other native Detroiters and I'm like, yo, I'm asking everybody about their family line, their story about slavery. Now, I don't want to know what you read in the book. Tell me about your personal story. And if I wanted to do, I can say, but well, that's almost kind of like a part of field research when you're going onto the community and you're asking questions. And believe it or not, beloved, family story about slavery. Nobody got the, my mom had to sleep with the son. The, sec, the stories that we read, I have yet to find the person that they connect themselves with the story. So now I begin to really put it together. When black Americans, when American Negroes is talking about slavery, he's not giving you his story. He's giving you a story that he read in the book. He's giving you a story that he's seen on television. When you ask these very same Negroes, these pro-African people, hey, yo, give me your story. They don't have a story. But what's this is where it gets tricky at. When you begin to tell them about other stories, right? About Garifunis and Yamasi and Washita and you know, when you go down the line, they'll tell you that those stories is fake, but they don't even have their authentic story themselves. They're brainwashed. It's hard to help them. You really can't help them. But the messenger said this is the 85%. Deaf, dumb, and blind. Easily to lead them in the wrong direction. It's hard to lead them in the right direction. They just don't know. They're not going to know. They love the devil because the devil gives them nothing. When I start talking about history and indigenous black folks of the Americas, right? I want you to really listen to me now. The people that push back the most is just book readers. They're not pushing back with their own family list. They're not giving me their family history. They're not pushing back with their family legacy. They're just telling me what they read in the book. And it's almost as if like, I think the term is what? Cognitive distances. Like, I think that's the term where it's like, where people are so trapped up in an illusion, they almost get offended at you because you're not in that illusion with them. You know what I'm saying? Like they got this this world made up in their mind that they got of a book. It's not their family line. I can't press that enough. It's not their family line because dig this. You know, when I used to talk to my great grandfather, right? I, I had a sense of consciousness, man. We, peace be upon him. He's no longer here. But I had a sense of consciousness when I used to talk to him. And I used to say, granddad, you know, do you know? Tell me about your line. Tell me about your dad. And my great grandfather, he can go six times back. 
So it's like, yo, that kind of blew me. Like, well, wait a minute. If I can go, if I can, if I can go six times back, and then he can go six times back, I'm like, the stories that we it's not fitting. He he he's fully connected with his genealogy. Okay, so at this point, when it comes to me, America becomes my ancestral homeland at this point. We don't have that in the chain. We don't have the African story in our chain. The only way you can put it in a chain is somebody give it to me in the book. If that makes it, somebody had to hand it to me in the book. Now, here you go. Y'all came from over here, yo, blase, blase. And what's scary part of that is the same devil that told you you was from Africa, right? And you can't prove that. If he would have switched the continents up and say, no, you're not from Africa. You're family from South America. You'll be running around with a South American chain and say, yo, my family. Because you just don't, even though, even though that story is not in your line, you would just say you from South America because that's just where you at right now. And you think you're more educated than anybody else because you're reading what the devil, you just, you just regurgitated what the devil told you. And you look crazy to us now because we're at the place like Big Mama used to talk about. Big Mama used to talk about how when the, when the people of God was finna go into the promised land, everybody couldn't go with them. There was a people with an old group of thinking they couldn't go over. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you you guys is Saul. I look at I look at everybody that's on this pro-African kick like they are Saul. Right? This is how Big Mom used to give us these stories. Saul is, you know, Saul, he was in charge. He was running the show. But the new-minded people, the new generation of information who's just sticking to facts, we're like the David's other people. That stuff that you use that that Saul is doing, that's old, man. We we can't use I can't I can't come on here and give you um some information from Dr. Henry Clark. I can't come on with it like yo man, it's a hundred million people came on the stage. You're like, bro, nobody's that stupid to believe there's a hundred million. And then there's some new devil say, well, there's really 12 million. But nobody questions how did a guy miss out on 88 million people? That's the point. I'm like, yo, this dude miscounted 88 million. This, am I the only one seeing that? They have, let me tell you something. They got Negro Americans planted to tell other Negro Americans that you from Africa. Because Africans ain't telling you from you from Africa. Africans ain't telling you from Africa. They don't know where you from. How they gonna come over the ocean and give you your history? If the devil made his first colony, and what do he say, 1607, 1608? That means anything before then, he don't know. He don't know what was going on in North America before then. He, how could he give you your history? He wasn't even here. If the devil again tells you that, and uh, don't let me mess up those dates. I need to drop the real date in the comments. Was it 1607? He made the first colony in America, 1607, 1608, something like that. And then he brought the African over here with him. Or pardon me, he in 1619 he brought 20 some odd Negroes, something like that. The literature say 20 some odd Negroes or 19 some odd Negroes, but they changed it. You know, it, it got changed to uh, African later, but maybe that's a different story for a different day. And then like 16 to 24, I think that's when the East Indians got here, right? Okay, how did this guy know who else is in the country? He don't know. Other explorers that came when they seen Negroes, the, the Negroes is already here. The Garifuni say they was already here. That's in their oral tradition. They was already here. And they it also in their oral tradition, they got they could remember when the African came here. You know, the Islanders. Is that it? Who are they carrying? And they're from South America, right? Or like the Guyanas. Yeah. The Guyanas. Well who are they? I'm not sure. <laughs> You have to do your history, friend. Yeah. Where do you think the black people here come from? I don't, it's either, I, I'm not sure. It's either like slave, slave ship or they came from Africa, right? What do you think? We've never been Africa. Never. We've never been Africa. They, yeah, there's, they don't really say on We're not, we're recent. not with the Africans. We are the Caribs. Right. We are the Caribs. Our, our our ancestors are the carriers. We man this, we control this, we inhabited this. Yeah. The sea was named for us, the Caribbean. 
where they carry it. The Africans came after they came around the Cape Horn. They There's a couple things I will admit to, right? We got an Aboriginal community. And in the Aboriginal community, they do something. I think I'm like, well, wow, it's a little, it's a little bugged out. They teach on people that all of us was the American Negro Indian. And they do it to such a degree that it's almost like they're taken from the red man a little bit, you know, because they try to discredit the red man. And now you got the red man trying to discredit the original man also saying that he was here. Right. True for the matter is. The black man can't get a red man his history. And that red man damn sure can't give the original man his history. That just ain't going to happen. Right? Nobody's foolish enough to go for either or. right? But when we start talking about tribes, you know, the Wyoming Indian tribe, and then we start talking about the Cheyenne, and then the Lakota, and then all of this and all of that, we don't want to look like as if that we are Negro Americans or the American Negro trying to jump on a red American Indian tribe because that's not what we're doing. That's not what I'm doing. But sometimes these Aboriginal guys, they kind of get into that. So when I talk about tribes, I just talk about what the explorers seen. I talked about the Yamasee who stretched. They stretched all the way from the Carolinas, all the way down to Georgia, to the tip of Alabama. Right. You can't get a bigger portion of landmass than that. Um. We talk about the Moore settlement that was already here in Rhode Island. We already pointed that out. We talk about the uh, Negroes that was uh, found in Central and Southern California. We pointed it out. We talked about when Nunez Balboa, when he went down and he seen the Negroes in Panama. We talk about that. We talk about the Garifuni who go from St. Vincent all the way to Honduras. And then later, I think we're going to talk about the Bushmen. I ain't think we talk about the day out of Brazil. We're going to talk about the Bushmen. But, you know. That's kind of easy to do that because they always talk about the Negro skulls. When they find Negro skulls, they always find these Negro skulls in Brazil. So that you can just one plus one equal two. That's not hard either. It was already Negroes here, though. And it's so hard for our people to believe that when this is their ancestral homeland. Yo, don't give me no African talk if you can't point. Yo. The, the most craziest thing is for somebody to tell you about the African slave trade. And they, man, it's so documented, man. It's documented. It's so well documented. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's documented, beloved. I got you. I'm with that. I'm cool with that part. And then they can say, man, they had this many ships and that. And they can tell you about how the Portuguese did this and the Portuguese did that. And the Spanish did this and the Spanish did that. And say, okay, when you get personal with it, okay, what's one of the ships that your family come off of? They don't know. All right, well, let's make it a little easier. What century did your family get to the Americas? Just give me in a hundred year radius. Just give me something in a hundred years. They don't know. But, yo, you just gave me this whole sto story about how well documented slave trade. Okay, so where's the documentation on you? He don't have it. So how do you know you're from Africa? Oh, because the devil told me. <laughs> he put it in a book and he said all of us is from there. Didn't you see the book? Let me show you the book. No, no, no. I don't need the book. I got a genealogy, bro. That's not in my line. I'm looking for the ship. It's not there. So out of respect for the ship, what I will say is I use African as an ingredient. And I'm just like, yo, we already know the Negro Indian was here. We know the African came over. We know the East Indian came over. Okay. I just use the concept. I say, all right, uh, we are a new species then because we know that these bloodlines is mixing up. We pull out a document. We've seen that the Hebrew came over here. We talked about that. So we got all these bloodlines, these genetics working together. I'm like, yo, it's what it is right This It's just something I put in the pot because the way he did his slave codes, the color folks can mix together. The whites didn't mix. And if the whites mixed with one of the colors, they threw him in the pot with everybody else. So we know the red man was in the pot. We know the original man is in the pot, right? Both kind of Negroes, the African and the Negro Indian. We know the East Indian was in the pot. So I'm like, we can mix it all up. We the new Negroes. I didn't come up with that concept myself. I came up with the new Negro concept from when I saw the new species and new Negro. I got that from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Peace be upon him. I got that from him because he was the first speaker on a large level that I ever heard talk about blacks being in America before the Mayflower. See, I ain't never heard nobody say that on that level. Outside of him and the messenger, I can't really recall nobody else talking about our people being here on that kind of level. You know, I, I understand you guys 
y'all love the devil and you listen to them folks i get it and that's the reason why when i come on this podcast and we have a conversation about negro indians i always use devil sources man i can just i can easily come up here and talk about uh use uh what's the sister name kimberly norton i can use her work i can easily come up and use uh ivan certifer i can easily come up here and start talking about um our red brother um Jack Forbes. I can easily just pull out his work and just I can go to town with that. I don't do that because those are people of color. It's not going to go over where our people don't want to hear that from them. So then I bring you sources of devils that say that Negroes was here. And then if that doesn't work, you don't blame me for reading the book. You say, oh, V, you're misinterpreting the book. (laughs) Oh, VJ, you're cherry picking out of the book. Hey yo, it's a writer. I don't want to mess up his name. His his name is uh C Rafinix, something like that. Rofenix, Rafinix, something like that, right? And there's a uh he got a a portion of his his literature, his document, in which he says that uh, DeSoto uh encountered the black Indians in Louisiana, right? And I'm thinking to myself, like, so I post that in my community section. Like, yo, the devil said it. Now, you got to believe it because this, I don't know how you can misinterpret that. <laughs> Look, I'm so stuck on the work. I throw Big Mama out. Big Mama is a credible witness. I throw her out. I said, nah, we're not going to. Because everybody say they Big Mama say she's Indian. I said, nah, we're not going to use Big Mama because Big Mama said a whole lot of stuff. Right. Big Mama said she was in the end, but that's cool. But Big Mama also say, you know, if your hands itching, money is on the way. Big Mama also said that, you know, if you take the broom and sweep your feet, you're going to jail. Big Mama said death coming threes. You know, Big Mama said a whole lot of stuff. All right. So we're not going to use Big Mama as a credible witness. So there's nobody blank that black folks trust. So I come back and I give you the devil's work. This is what you want. Here go the devil's work. It's still not good enough. You'll find a way to blame me. Oh, now I'm not reading it right. <laughs> the man wrote, look, the man wrote in Southern California, uh, calling these these Indians in Southern California uh, redskins would be inappropriate because they was too black. Now, how do you misinterpret that? I have no idea. <laughs> hey, look, I didn't even want to go. There's there's a there's a portion. One day we might have a conversation. That's Southern California. The Indians was black. So they were so black in Southern California. And I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but I might have to pull up the article. They had a Chinatown there. Right. They had Chinatown Chinese businesses in the midst. This is like the 1800s. They had Chinatown in the midst of this uh, Negro Indian community. Right. They were so black. They was like Negroes. Right. The place that they hung out, the strip. Was called Nigger Alley. Did you catch that? I'm going to say it again. I think that went over your head. In Central California. In Southern California. There's so many explorers that wrote. And we went over a few of them here. On this podcast. That they began to discuss that. The Indians. They didn't look like regular Indians. They wasn't even red no more. They wasn't tawny. They was black. They looked different. And then. They start to racialize it. Oh, they're inferior Indians and they're not worthy to be Indians. They start, that's a buzzword. It's not, they're not worthy to be a tribe. They're not, you know, they was black. They was Negro. They couldn't figure it out. Then it, 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 it bugged them out because when they was in central California, their skin was getting darker, but the hair was still straight. So it's like, all right, they're, they're black though, but damn, they hair, their hair still straight, but they, they black now. But when they went further south, it really freaked them out because the hair wasn't straight no more. It was bushy. They had afros. Right? They had afro. We would call it an afro today. It was bushy and it was matted. And it was they looked like African. They had all the African features. So the writer, they're trying to you know, figure out, man, what is up with these folks? So those group of Indians, in the midst of their territory, they had Chinese businesses in their neighborhoods. Now, you can look in your neighborhood today. This might be a little pseudo. But you think having foreign-owned businesses in your neighborhood is a new thing. But when you go to Southern California, it wasn't because they had Asians there, already there. The Chinaman was already there. The strip that these Indians hung out in the neighborhood 
where they had all the bars and they had uh they had a lot of weaponry out there too. The script was called Nigga Alley. That was the name of the script. Now, that should be interesting to you because see, there's no quote unquote Africans out there. All your African ships hit Virginia, as they say, North Carolina, New York, or New Amsterdam, all the way down to Florida, even around the Alabama with Cujo Lewis, right? But see, I was focusing on California Indians because you can't play that plantation game out there like that. You can't do it. You can't play the whole, um, you know, anytime there's a Negro Indian, when you get like um, the brother that got shot down at the uh, Cypress Attics or just any of our people. When you start saying Negro Indians, they play the halfy game. They say, oh, you know, it's a runaway African. And he ran to an Indian, you know, reservation. Or any territory, and he just slept with the woman. Now, that shit is almost insulting. Almost, if I was a red man, I think that was insulting. This is what the devil was writing about your people. Here, here you go. Here go the African, right? Here's the African. You show him, come over on the boat. He butt naked. He ain't got nothing. No, he got chains on. He don't own nothing. So when you put the clothes on his back, he don't own them. He don't own himself. He belongs to Massa, as they taught you. Massa owns him. Massa is working him sun up to sundown, right? Now, how you get a slave ship from Africa to go to New York, New Amsterdam, and this guy's body is not acclimated to the weather. It's cold as hell in New York. You act like New York is warm and hot all year round, but he's there working sun up to sundown doing what? Nobody knows. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. He's not. You, you, you act like these guys... Because they say telling you the story. You act like these guys is getting off a slave ship in the 16th and 17th. Like there's central air and heat back in the slave quarters or something. And you can pull a guy from a tropical area, right? A tropical landmass and stick him out of New York. With no, but maybe that's a different story for David. Because you guys will figure out how they put some heat together. You, you make it work. Whatever the devil tell you, you make it work. I figured that out already. No matter how much it don't make sense, right? Cujo Lewis in Alabama. Who I went and I did the video. I visited his gravesite. Peace be upon him. The last advocate to arrive in America, right? He said it took three months on that ship when he got to the Americas. Three months. And he was on a steamboat. But the ship in the 1600 was just the, the thing up the blow. I don't even know what you call it. They're just the wind supposed to catch it and blow it. How long do you think that if the steamboat took with a whole engine and everything, if that took three months, how did the ship that just sailed across the Atlantic, how much longer did that take? They brought 12 million people up here like that? That makes sense to you. That's why they told it to you. Then you get mad at me because I didn't believe the story like you believed it. It don't make sense to me. It make a whole lot of sense to you because when the devil tell you something, you make it make sense. That's your job. You his boy. You make it make sense to you. But maybe that's a different story for a different day, right? So, Dick, what I was saying was like this. If I was a red man, I'd be... I'd be, I'd be insulted because it's like he tells you this African guy, he comes over here with nothing. He's butt naked. He just was on the ship for six months pissing and shitting on each other and he didn't have nothing to eat and he got off the ship and then he was owned completely by a man and he don't know the language, he don't know nothing. That African can run off that plantation, run to a Indian plantation and get your woman, knock her up and have a half-breed child. So every time you see a Negro Indian, they say, oh, he's uh, he's half. He's half African, half Indian. He's half African, half Indian. He's Estalusta. Now, we, I'm like, yo, I'm with the Estalusta game, but I'm like, God damn, everybody is a halfie? You you think you think you can go on a trip, go on a reservation today because you still think you're African. So if you can do that back in the 1600s and the 1700s and the 1800s and you had nothing, go bag you an Indian woman today and just let me know how it work out. Because you did it all the time back in the 1600s. Everybody is a halfie. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> hey, yo, it's time we wake up. It's time we wake up. And, yo, I'm going to tell you right now, American Negroes, Saul is falling. David is rising. That old way, that old regime, we can't take that with it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. We can't go into the promised land with that mentality.
we are in a generation of truth and facts. This is the keep it real generation. We can't call ourselves African if I can't prove it. You know, I'm on some like some uh what they call like some uh uh some ethnic goddamn set trip and shit. If you can't prove it, if you don't know the handshake, <laughs> if it ain't in your genealogy line, I ain't feeling it, bro. I ain't, I'm like I'm like one of the guys down at the frat party. You running around saying you a capper. You like you a capper. He like yo. And he tried to do the handshake with you. you. Don't know the handshake. You it ain't in your line, beloved. It's not you. Oh, I read it in the book that everybody, he ain't buying that what you read in the book. Hey, man, you need to be vetted in this thing. This is a fraternity. You need to be vetted in. You claiming the whole landmass. Yo, you go so far as to tell our people, yo, we don't, listen, when they can't prove they from Africa, what they start doing is start, this is the buzzwords they start doing. They start saying stuff like, you just ashamed of the motherland. You just ashamed of your African ancestry. And the dude that's telling you that or the woman that's telling you that, they can't even prove they from that place. How bugged out is that? Then they come with the, you know, we're going to have to do some DNA testing. Yo, yo, listen to me. The messenger said we are people of sport and play. We are a people of sport and play. DNA testing, DNA information don't come on TV enough for our people to talk about DNA information. We don't know. They don't know what that means. They don't know what that is. They couldn't break that down for you to save their life. They'll do a quick Google search and act like they know. They don't really know. Yo, just common sense, though. Just common sense. Just common sense. If you from Africa and they did DNA testing to show you from Africa, that means they, they had to go to some grave sites, dig up some bones, Get the genetic material off those bones. Get that DNA fabric and match you up with it. That ain't what they doing. They playing a mind game on you. They matching you up with black folks that's here with black folks that's over there. But at the same time, bro, I mean, how does that work? You already told me that there's a hundred. Oh, check this out because I want to make I want this to make sense. You already showed me. You already told me that we bought property in Liberia. Liberia is ours. You know. That African ain't giving it. You call him and your brother. He ain't. He ain't giving that back to you. It's not. It's not happening. Uh, you make up some stories about why he attacked your people. That's dead. You know, man. So much sucker shit. It's the same. Yo, black Americans, the American Negroes, through the American Colonization Society, bought a piece of property in Liberia. Right. We own it. It belongs to us. The British had their hand in Sierra Leone. Right. So. You have to think at this point because it's just common sense. Um, the last time I checked, there was at least a hundred thousand Liberians in Liberia. Now, this pop, this landmass was populated by people from North America, right? Not only from North America. When I say North America, I'm talking about the islands went too. So you had an American colonization society at the at the West Indies. You had Mississippi. You had Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama. You had Maryland, you had New York, you had the Carolinas and Virginia. All these folks, American Negroes, they went over there, right? And then, like I said, the British had Sierra Leone. But they was from here. How smart are you to come back to me and swab my lip and tell me, hey, man, you got some, like, okay, like, I already seen it in a book. You want me to believe in the book, right? It's kind of funny how that works. When it works uh, for you, it's no good. Oh, no, that don't mean nothing. That's just in the book. You don't know no people over there. And then, look, look, look. How, how are you going to connect yourself to Liberians and Sierra Leone? Because when they give you the swab, you say, where you from? It's always Congo. It's always Liberia. It's always somewhere, you know, Niger it ain't nowhere. They ain't never swabbing your lip and say, oh, man, you know, this is Tanzania. You know, uh, this is a <laughs> this is Swaziland. We swabbed your lip. Oh, we see your genetics in Kemet. We see your in Ethiopia. No, it's always somewhere on, on West Africa. Hey, you didn't do nothing by showing me a connection to West Africa DNA because you already showed me in the book that you sent you sent uh, a, a nice portion of our people already over there from here. Maybe that's a different story for different day. Maybe I just think different than you. Maybe I don't spend all of my time trying to defend the devil and try to make his story make sense. And maybe you shouldn't either. Peace and black power to you, family.
Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out, man. This is Real Black Content is Fun Podcast. Big VJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace. We were not brought here on slave ships. That's not economically sound. This what do you mean? Sense. Uh, so when Christopher Columbus got here, one of the, well, Christopher Columbus got to the Caribbean, uh, according to a primary source, right. they basically said the first thing he did was take slaves. He didn't bring slaves. He took slaves from the island. He captured people.